Hi everyone, my name is Chidera Razulike and welcome to my podcast, Inyere, all about going behind the scenes with creatives and having powerful conversations on pressing matters. Thank you so much for clicking on this episode. Today with me I have Maru Anita Okiti, a pop culture critic and a political activist. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. I should be telling you thank you. I'm very excited. <laughs> it's my pleasure. So today's episode is going to be about blackness and beauty. So I wanted to start off by asking you when it first registered for you that you were black and that it, it actually mattered. Okay, so I think I was six years old and I was in Disneyland with my family and everyone who knows me love, knows that I love Lilo and Stitch. So there are these like um, cartoon characters, like people dress up in like the costumes of Lilo and Stitch and they got on stage and they said, you know, everyone should come up on stage, all the children should come up on stage and dance. Mm-hmm. And so I rushed up on stage really enthusiastically and the stage manager told me to get off. And one thing that I noticed was that I was the only black child there. I was the only black child to run up on stage. Mm. And I remember crying my way down and I had to do a little walk of shame um, off back to my parents. And yeah. I remember that evening, my mom explained racism to me for mm. the first time. And I think that's when it clicked yeah. that, oh, oh, I'm, I'm black. <laughs> <laughs> and the world doesn't like black. Um, yeah, so. I think from then on, I think I, I became woke. Six years, six years woke at six, then. yeah. How did she explain racism to you? Um, so it was it was really weird. They sat me down and they were like, um, Mara, I know this is upsetting and you deserve the world and you will always be on our stage. Mm-hmm. But you're very beautiful. Your skin's very beautiful, but mm-hmm. not everyone thinks that way. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't, they didn't get into the historical aspect of it. They were just mm-hmm. like, oh, that some people may not like you because of your skin and they may say bad things to you or they will try to stop you from doing things like going on stage. And and they really made, broke it down to my six-year-old level. Mm-hmm. But, and, uh, but I was like, oh, this is <laughs> sounds really crazy. Um, yeah. No, but it was really... And I think from then on, around eight, I started looking into the historical aspects of it myself. Mm-hmm. What did what did you find out? So obviously, like um, at school in Nigeria, and they obviously do the mandatory. Let's talk about slavery. Let's talk about mm-hmm. colonialism. Yeah. And I don't know if it's the same for everyone, but in in my, in my teacher's fashion, they will glorify colonialism and stuff like that. Really? I say, well, the white man. Yeah, like oh, the white man came and gave us education the white man came and gave us modernity and i was like this is a whole lot of so i started like going like on the internet to find out things and then obviously i started going into like black theories and like perspectives from actual black people on these kind of phenomena so that's where my findings those are my findings actually Because I took an anthropology class not too long ago, and the professor basically said that race is a social construct designed to make like more people feel inferior or superior. What do you think about that? Hundred percent. I think mm-hmm. when I first heard that was a couple years ago about race being a social construct, and I've heard it 
at the time that Rachel Dolezal, I don't know that white woman who claims to be black, um, <laughs> <laughs> she came out and, you know, there was a whole debate about race being a, a social construct. And I was so angry. I was like, what do they mean race is a social construct? Mm-hmm. I am black and I face real world consequences. Mm-hmm. But like, obviously being in university and taking race modules, um, I learned that race is indeed a social construct. That doesn't mean that it is fictitious. Mm. It doesn't mean it doesn't have real world consequences. Yeah. Um, so obviously by social constructing means that, you know, the world has ascribed social meanings to race. Mm. But that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Um so yeah, I would agree with that statement actually, after protesting for many years. <laughs> yeah. I do remember like disagreeing in my mind, like thinking you're only allowed to say this because you're a Caucasian man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that is fair. Because, and that's why I thought. I mm-hmm. thought, oh, uh, because... Because you were talking about how it was um, fair. About me thinking like uh-huh. you could only say that because he's a Caucasian man. grew up in Lagos. So growing up in a place that was predominantly black and people aren't really defined by race and then having to go to a place that's predominantly Caucasian, would you say that you experience like culture shocks or differences? Mm-hmm. And I think in terms of culture shock, 
I had to battle with going against stereotypes. Like I would go out with friends and they like twerk for us. Or they'll try to talk to me and they'll be like, Yes, girl <laughs> I use all these African American vernacular mm-hmm. that they saw maybe from I don't know, Madia <laughs> and they'll try to talk to me like that and I have to tell them, Look, no, please I, I am not <laughs> We're not doing that. this. <laughs> to a song that you're not really feeling. so shocked was because of what my expectation was versus what the reality was because I did expect to experience like some racism but I just didn't expect it so quick like just at once so the first day that I moved into my dorm I just like I noticed that my roommate was um the kind of standoffish but I didn't really take it as much because we had just met each other like she was probably just shy or something that's what I thought but that night I discovered that she actually was considering um switching rooms because I was black and that she was afraid my first night here (laughs) yeah (laughs) when I tell you I wanted to cry (laughs) I was like what like I had just moved in I didn't expect that at all like that hadn't even crossed my mind Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I had really, like, um, I had really made sure, like, I was making an effort to look approachable and, like, very friendly. And so, me thinking that she was shy versus her just being afraid because of, because of my skin color, it was just like, wow. So, like, the, the fact that I had a smile on my face didn't even matter at that point. Exactly. It was like, bam, like, what to do with my skin color? Like, you did mention that you try to be presentable and mm-hmm. acceptable, and I think that's what I try to do, especially going into university, look as, try to be low on the radar so that, like, I'm not too black or too, you know, mm-hmm. exactly, too black. <laughs> and still, you're being judged, mm-hmm. you know, for just merely by your skin, so no matter how presentable or socially acceptable you are. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I walked, I remember, like, a class I walked into, and, like, the first thing the teacher asked me was, like, how is your English so good? And I was, like... <laughs> oh, shit, I've got to so Good times. morning to you, too. I'm, like, girl. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> I don't, like, I don't even know how I'm supposed to respond. <laughs> but, I don't know how to respond, honestly. <laughs> well, colonization is the reason. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. 
Jasmine, um, you broke up just seeing bleaching creams, like when you're going to the supermarket, which is something that I think, would you say that the beauty industry is embracing diversity more today? In the sense that um, people are now looking down on like the bleaching creams and um, brands are taking, are making like an extra effort to cater to darker skinned women. I appreciate that, you know, a couple years ago, you wouldn't see black models mm-hmm. on the billboard, the big screen, all that stuff, but you're seeing that now. However, I will not sit here and be begging and, and be clapping for a fish because a fish knows how to swim. <laughs> you know, it's the bare minimum. And that's, that's about this whole diversity conversation. We're clapping for all these big, you know, Eurocentric brands. Like, yay, they're giving us the crumbs. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, they're not really, they're not really embracing diversity because I feel like they're trying to use it as a USP. For them, diversity is a brand. And that's just the whole thing about racial capitalism, where they're trying to derive some social or economic benefit from someone else's racial identity. So to them, it's a buzzword, it's new, it's hip. And you know, capitalism is very opportunistic. So it's going to say, oh, if this is the demand, I'm going to give it to it. So we have brands a huge, large shade range, mm-hmm. but still, your foundation doesn't match your neck. Your, your, <laughs> your foundation still doesn't match your neck. Mm-hmm. So where do we go from here? Your undertone is looking ashy because they don't care. Mm-hmm. They just take the boxes. So I think diversity to me would be who are the decision makers. So mm-hmm. even though you have all these foundation shades, mm-hmm. what do the boardrooms look like? Mm-hmm. Who are the CEOs who are on the board, the shareholders who make the decisions, they're still all white. So it's not really diversity. It's very superficial to me. Yeah, it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy today. And I was reading an interview and mm-hmm. I think Maddie Saunders, she kind of put it best, the brand leader for Lush. Um, she said diversity cannot start and finish with an advert or social media post in order for it to resonate with the customer. Like you said, it's truly like what's going on behind the scenes, who is on the team and who is making the decisions. Exactly. And like with that, I also... Mm-hmm. With that, I also wanted to talk about representation. Like how is how is this affecting kids today? You know, funny enough, um, I don't know if you saw the video, but there was uh, an Instagram video circulating and it was this, like, I think, four-year-old girl, mm-hmm. and she was at her hairdresser. Oh, I saw and, it. You know, this, yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. she was like, and the hairdresser was talking to her, and she was just like, I'm ugly. Mm-hmm. And the hairdresser was like, what? Like, what? What did you just say? And she, she looked surprised, mm-hmm. because to her, that's normal. So yeah. she's surprised that someone is, like, angry or upset mm-hmm. that she thinks that she thinks that way of herself. Yeah. And I just started like oh my god this has to be a representation issue mm-hmm. um and i try to think what has she seen on tv and i try to like pinpoint what she may or may not have seen mm-hmm. and when i look at all the like tv shows even ones that are so-called diverse mm-hmm. when you look at black women the type of black women they present they're always light-skinned white adjacent mixed race and mm-hmm. biracial and obviously they should have their own share of representation 
grateful for um, films like Hair Love by Matthew H. because I found unconsciously when I was younger, even when I would be like writing stories, my characters would be solely white. Exactly. Or they would have like straight hair and things mm. like that. Like it's it wouldn't even occur to me that yes, I just I remember like all my characters need to be English. I wouldn't have any Nigerian characters. They would have straight hair, and they would like. I remember Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie's talk, where she, um TED talk where she talked about all her characters wanting to would be like having tea, like things that we actually. Exactly. <laughs> I talk about the weather. Mm-hmm. And that's actually so funny because I remember I was in year ten, and my literature teacher told us to write stories, and. We had to read out our stories aloud, um, and it got to the end. And I raised up my hand, and he was like, and my teacher was like, yes. And I was like, guys, why are all your stories, like, why are all your characters white? Why do they not have English names? Why don't they look like you? Mm-hmm. Like, every single person had a white car- Like, all their protagonists were white, except mine. And I was so baffled, and they responded, and they said, oh, that." They don't see black people doing action or adventure or sci-fi. They don't see themselves. That the only time that that Nigerians or black people should be in characters like in books mm-hmm. is when you know all those local books per se that they go to school. school. <laughs> and that goes to the market. Yeah. That those are the only stories that we should be allowed in. And that literally broke my heart. And so because of that, I think I, I did um, a society like a year later, mm-hmm. um, like a Pan-African society, like based on writing African characters and teaching history and stuff like that. Because I was like, mm-hmm. this is not okay. This okay. is definitely not cool. And going off of that also, you wrote uh, your most, you're a pop culture critic and your most recent article was called Nobody's Ride or Die, about Lena yeah. Waite's film, Queen and Slim. And yeah. it's really, it's, it made me see from a whole different perspective because after, after I watched the film, I was like, wow, <laughs> you know, that was so powerful. Like, we've been waiting for a black love story and we finally got one. But then after reading your article, I was like, yeah, this is exactly what we were waiting for. Exactly. Like, I watch rom-coms all the time. And it's like, it would be nice, you know, <laughs> to have a rom-com with Blacks. So why do you think it's like suffering is embedded in Black cinema, especially on the part of females, like you can see in a lot, a lot of Tyler Perry's films? Um, I 
think number one, I think black people in general, because of our history, um, culturally we are taught to be stupid. We're taught that struggle is the the zenith or some yardstick of our strength and it's some yardstick of our character and we should be we should take pride in being strong and going through some elements of struggle and I cannot stand it. I hate it so much. So when I watched um Queen and Slim, I was like, no, this is absolutely BS. Not in terms of the screenplay or anything like that, but it's not the love that I want. It's not the love that I think anybody should want. Mm-hmm. And and I think if we look at it, I just also it goes down to this whole idea of representation. If we're only seeing light skinned women, white women, white adjacent women being the protagonists and the recipients of love, where does that leave us? Mm-hmm. If we do a Venn diagram, where does that leave us? That leaves us at the extreme end. So meaning that if we do not fit into these narratives of people who accept unconditional, beautiful, roses on the bed kind of love, then ours has to be struggled. Mm-hmm. It's also it's almost seen as some binary kind of um, concept. And it reminds me that it reminds me of when the photograph came up with Issa Rae. Mm-hmm. I'm starring Issa Rae. And everyone actually got a lot of like critics and criticism where people said oh it was boring i was like come on now how many white rom-coms have we seen where we're like <laughs> the oh, same plot do do? <laughs> from the beginning to the end is love and cry and not tears of sadness but mm-hmm. tears of oh i can't believe they're so good to me that's the best man in the world like but why is our own tears because someone got shot mm-hmm. why is that tears you know because you fell from a two-story building because they're trying to escape the police. Mm-hmm. I do understand that there is a reality where there's police brutality and it should be told, but I don't think that should characterize the black love story. Or romanticize. I just can't stand it. I want my white rom story. I want black people in love from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And not some Tyler Perry story where there's a rich Tyler woman, but she needs some um, guy. <laughs> like, like she has to go through exactly. abuse she some, and cheating. She needs a broke man to humble her because wealth is the root of all evil. And so she has to suffer for her to understand the real meaning of love. Mm-hmm. Nothing. That is, that is BS. Meanwhile, we get 50 Shades of Grey. Where this girl, this quiet little girl who is, I don't know, working class, gets to meet and fall in love with, you know, some mega tycoon or mm-hmm. some CEO. Please, where are our stories? <laughs> like, I, I remember I remember listening to one of, an episode featuring, a podcast episode featuring Shimamada Ngozi Adichie. And she was talking about how when people are referring to black women, they always have to refer to them as being strong because exactly. that's like that's what's expected of them and the representation i don't think it's just for kids as well like it's for us today even like you yeah. hear people getting fired because they had their hair out or like they didn't have or they had braids or like kids getting their dreads cut off in school or that guy that exactly. wasn't going to be allowed to graduate because of his dreads exactly yeah like that just shows how important representation is <clears throat> And I think we should talk about hair as well. Oh, I am fired mm-hmm. up. 
<laughs> and I say this because I just had my wash day today, so I am fired up about my hair. Because <laughs> I know, well, recently it's been, I think maybe it was in 2017, maybe, everyone sort of started to embrace their natural hair and a lot of people did the big job and then they started to transition and actually like learn to take care of their natural hair because i remember doing my hair was like a chore when i was younger like i had to get it braided every two weeks and i would be like oh oh my god (laughs) so i didn't know how to take care of it and i wanted to relax my hair i wanted to have straight hair so like that kind of thing that's why little girls think yeah, I'm ugly. That's why they would be like talking yeah, exactly. to themselves like that. Like at such a young age, you shouldn't, you should be, you should be living like that carefree life where it's, you don't care about your appearance. And even if you care about your your um appearance, it's not the what you care about is not the fact that you don't fit into the beauty standards. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, like I'm maintaining it. So, so it's another added layer of worry, another added layer of concern, um, where you're like, oh my God, my appearance, my appearance, but also the fact that, oh, geez, I do not fit into this category at all, which is largely Eurocentric. And I think I think it made a fabulous, the fabulous point about hair, especially like people not being allowed um, to wear their hair. And I think the natural hair movement really started um, in the 2010s, like 2010, mm-hmm. and gained traction over the years to like what we see now. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that said, natural hair, which really started as an appreciation community for tighter kinkier curls, like the type four curls. But I don't want to sound salty. And you don't want to name names. I don't want to name names. A lot of people will be scared here. A lot of people will be scared here. <laughs> There's also the obsession with basically trying to copy the black. Let's talk about the Kardashians. <laughs> the Kardashians, sis, I am ready. I am ready. Right. What do you want to know? I don't want to go off on a tangent, but what do you, what do you want to know? What's that? The most prom- the most prominent one in my head right now is I don't even know what Kim called it. Her body makeup. What did, what did she call it when she like showed her hands on hands, her story? Yeah, her body makeup. And I was like, whatever. I'm done with that girl. <laughs> I'm done. I'm fed up. Right. So the Kardashians. I think now when this called cultural appropriation has always been a thing from the beginning of time. So it didn't start with Kardashians, but it is popularized. Like, um. Well, let's get simple. I think obviously when Kylie Jenner came with her little boxer braid, so-called boxer braid, and Amanda Dunberg like uh, rubbed it off, a 
obviously we had conversations about cultural cultural appropriation. But I think there's something intellectually dishonest about that conversation because there are three parts to it. There's you know, assimilation, which is what black women do with the straighter hair types as we've discussed, mm-hmm. trying to assimilate in a Eurocentric society and things like that. There's appreciation, you can appreciate culture. For example, if you're invited to let's say an Indian wedding mm-hmm. and you know and they say the dress code everyone should be in Indian dress. Yeah, and you wear the sari or something or any of their other dresses. Mm-hmm. Um, that is some form of appreciation and respect. You're not doing you're not isolating the aesthetic. Um, then there's appropriation, which is what the Kardashians <laughs> have thrived and leveraged and capitalized on where they isolate different parts of black culture and they try to make it trendy and cool. Like, I mean, I saw a picture, like, trending online, I think I saw it, of, like, the Kardashian kids, and basically all of them are biracial black. Mm. And Which I'm, is like, slightly that disturbing. Is, that is disturbing. They don't talk to me about preference. Everyone yeah. needs to keep their mouth shut about preference. Because what are the odds that everyone has a preference for a black man except Courtney? And maybe even Kendall, but really Courtney. What are the odds? And then if you look at their track hit, their, their track record in tone there of Kim, you know, intentionally darkening her skin, wearing braids, mm. using African American vernacular. Oh my God, it's a whole mess. I could I could talk about this all day. It's a mess, a mess, a mess. I am burning right now. <laughs> but no, no man. Meanwhile, New York, New York um, City mm-hmm. just recently um, just passed legislation. I think I think this was the Crown Amendment, or I think it was mm-hmm. one of the states where they it was forbidding to discriminate based on hair types. Mm, the, so the Crown Act. Up until recently, black people could even wear their hair textures mm-hmm. without being discriminated against. But the Kardashians have fluffed their little dusty ass braids mm-hmm. around. No? <laughs> I'm sorry to say it. No. Cancelled. <laughs> the, the thing that shocked me the most, I believe it was this year, was that lynching was just banned this year. Like a yeah. law against lynching was just made this year. So you mean I was walking year, around? Right? I was walking around and someone could lynch me. And it's crazy because there is a target on our skin, mm-hmm. you know, by virtue of just being black. Mm-hmm. But somehow, you know, obviously I'm, this whole comes up with the topic of black fishing, you know, which really, you know, started popping off 2019, 2018, 2019 of people darkening themselves to look racially ambiguous. Mm-hmm. And this whole, and this is going back to the whole topic of diversity, where mm-hmm. diversity is just a brand. You're the exotic light skin. You're the exotic ambiguous girl. Mm-hmm. You know, ooh, yeah, edgy. <laughs> and and I think by looking so ambiguous, you, you can easily transition in and out of black culture. And it's just terrible, honestly. I'm I'm just not here for it. Yeah. I'm not here for it. Um, absolutely BS. And if I get onto it, we will sleep here. Because <laughs> There are certain people in the black community that enable that kind of behavior, mm. but I'm not gonna. <laughs> a lot of people 
There are a lot of apologists. Before we wrap up the podcast episode, is there anything else that you would like to address or any topics that you would like to talk about? Um, I do think, because I did like a little Instagram pony thing. Um, can I plug myself? I should plug myself. Of course you can. Your links, all your I'll links will be in the bio baby. anyway. My Instagram is political baby with a O, it's actually a zero. So political baby. Um, and so I did like an Instagram poll thing and someone asked me how obviously like I heal and going through all these like things as a black woman, how do I heal? And the honest answer to that is I'm still healing. I think many black women are still healing, even though things are getting better, even though it may be superficial, but things are getting better. But one some things I, I do, I curate my the content on my social media. I make sure I follow predominantly black women and that's not for any other reason but the fact is I grew up not seeing people who look like me and mm-hmm. so I think I'm trying to reverse the effect of that mm-hmm. and so my YouTube predominantly women of color predominantly dark skin women my Instagram same thing um I'm going to plug these other people that she's called Christy and Timia too um and they talk about dark skin love loving yourself and also mental health and I just try and one thing about me is that my love language is words of affirmation so my friends regularly tell me nice things about myself Mm -hmm. I say nice things about myself Mm -hmm. sometimes sometimes but I should do that more um my mom tells me nice things so I think just manifesting that in the air in the atmosphere I think that makes it That helps with the healing process. And also my DMs are open if you guys need any advice. So mm, so we're all healing basically mm-hmm. and hopefully it is fine. Also, also can I address something? Black girls wearing these is not cultural appropriation because first of all, no one wears these with Caucasian hair. Nobody. <laughs> Let's just get that straight. Let's just get that straight. That is assimilation in a Eurocentric society. I am tired, honey, I am tired of explaining this. <laughs> so I feel the need to say it at the end mm-hmm. so that people can register that in their thick skulls. It is not the same. Um, that's definitely trying to be on the DL in a very racist society. Yeah. Um, what else? What else? Those are the talking points. Diversity is a myth until we start being the decision makers. Okay, it is not a brand. Um, yeah, so definitely support black businesses like Beauty Bakery, Fancy Beauty, mm-hmm. all that jazz, Juvia's Place, things like that. Um, reason being is because, well, although these statistics are like surrounding the African American market because other like black markets are understudied, but like we do account for, I think, about $500 million out of a four point six billion dollar beauty industry or something something crazy like that. Yeah. So we need to be stakeholders within this beauty industry. I would so recommend. I think my own long term goal is to own my own beauty brand and be the mover and shaker. 
mm-hmm. of the beauty industry on period. Yes. <laughs> so that's where we end there. I love yourself. Before before I let you go, I'm so glad that you brought up um following more people that look like you on social media because I I think mm-hmm. a lot of people think that like so, social media is bad for your mental health and I feel like yeah. you you control your feed right like the yeah. algorithm is that you see more of what you, you like you like to see right so yeah. I just feel like if you feel like being on maybe Instagram is unhealthy for you maybe just do like a cleanse unfollow like you know all the people that are making it negative for you and just like make it what you want like what you want to see but yeah i have one more question for you um yeah sure it's basically why i ask every creative at the end of each episode and it's if there's anyone out there that's looking to do something similar to what you're doing what would your advice be so basically, I think we have to talk about what I do. <laughs> so basically, what I do, I use my platform to talk a lot about politics, to talk about pop culture. I write as well. You guys should check out my article. Everything will be in the, write and die. in the description. Um, yeah, so I write a lot about like cultural, like, cultural phenomenons. I use my social media to talk about blackness and just political things as well and I would say number one thing I was very self self-conscious I was like people think I talk too much because like in secondary school I would have the base with people and they're like oh Maria come again <laughs> I think that carried over and I was really scared to really start and I would just say just forget it and you always have and just do what you love because you bring value add to people I can't even tell you how many people have come to me to say, oh, I changed their perspective. And it made them think different ways. Even like, and one thing that makes me really happy is like when non, non-black non people come to me and say, oh, actually, like I've changed in terms of my outlook and I want to be a better ally. And that's really all I want to do to make people better allies and to make people better and to be more educated. So just do it because you're yeah, adding value to someone. And I don't care because when people criticize me, like I had, I went through a period where people criticize me. Tomorrow, what are you saying? Did it there? We are. People say I waste their data. Do you imagine? <laughs> Some people said I was wasting their data. I said, sorry, you can't keep and me and mock me. I talk, and it made me feel bad. But when I when I kept on going, I think resilience is the biggest rebuttal. Resilience is the biggest greatest counter argument. Because no one can argue against you because you're on your grind. So that, that's it. With Thank me. you. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I had so much fun. This has been <laughs> an amazing episode. And if you guys want to reach out tomorrow, the links to everything will be in the description below. As always, I will tag her on the Instagram post and... Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. My name is Shirewa Arazuki. (laughs) And I hope you come back again to hear from me. (laughs)